Hi, and welcome to FIA's Market Voice Podcast. I'm Jeff Reeves. Remember Y2K, that whole thing in 1999 where software that only had two digits to mark the year was supposed to go haywire when we rolled over to a new millennia? Well, if you do, you probably also remember that. Well, nothing happened. Computer systems were tweaked ahead of time in preparation. New Year's came and went, and record-keeping systems around the world, they just worked as they were intended to. All those scary headlines, the IT seminars, no big deal. Derivative markets had another Y2K moment recently, as roughly two dozen LIBOR settings ceased publication on 31 December of 2021. With some $220 trillion in U.S. dollars of financial instruments worldwide tied to this key benchmark, there was undeniably the potential for some disruptions here. But in the end, it was kind of a non-event. And that's a good thing. You know, it seemed to go fairly quietly, and I quite like the, the Y2K comparison. Uh, we'll uh, we'll definitely take that because if we'd have been uh, front page based on our migration rather than uh, you know as LIBOR was many years ago, that's probably because we got it wrong. I'm talking with Steve Hamilton, global head of financial derivatives at Intercontinental Exchange. As ICE was the benchmark administrator for LIBOR and ICE Futures Europe serves up a host of related interest rates products. It was his job, among other things, to help lead an orderly changeover from Sterling LIBOR to Sonia and other risk-free rates. In the end, even with the December expiry behind us, we did 2.88 million lots of short Sterling futures that went into the, to the transition weekend and, and converted into you know, to just under 1.5 million Sonia futures, a two-for-one conversion and 630,000 short sterling options into their respective Sonia options, plus 145,000 Euro-Swiss futures converted into Saron. We did that, uh, that migration over the weekend, so end of day on Friday the 17th of December. We opened on Monday morning into pre-open without issue. We opened on Monday and traded um, without issue, and we published the correct open interest numbers on Tuesday for, uh, for close of business on, on Monday in the right time frame and correctly. And, and the, the stat that um, I was most proud of is that uh, throughout that time, we didn't have a single customer complaint about the execution of the process. That tells me that we did a good job of communicating to to the market what would happen. As I say, that's, that's probably the thing that I was most proud of. And that was a result of a process that began in earnest back in March of 2021. March the 5th last year was the formal cessation announcement, uh, and that set the gun on the, the next uh, uh, kind of nine months of the countdown for us until we migrated uh, LIBOR-based derivatives into the new RFR. Uh, based derivatives at the end of last year. Uh, even before then, back in 2017, the UK Financial Conduct Authority suggested phasing out LIBOR by the end of 2021. So the proposed changeover date was known for longer than that. The word there that's interesting is proposed. So there was still a, a large part of the market was under the belief that this date could still move. Um, and if you think back to other large-scale regulatory pro uh, projects in recent years, MIFID 1 and 2, uh, CSDR, uh, some of the, the capital adequacy directives and so on, 
almost all of those dates have, have moved. And so I don't think it's an unreasonable assumption for, for market participants to say, you know, well, this will probably move. I'll think about it closer to the time. That wasn't really going to work for us because by the time the announcement came, an expectation that that would be nine to 12 months ahead, we needed to have a plan agreed by consensus with as much of the market as we could possibly talk to that this was how we were to proceed. So sometimes it was uh, a bit like uh, pulling teeth trying to demand opinions from market participants who were not convinced that the date would ever come on the proposed date, that we had to come up with a plan for it. But you're absolutely right. That, that was what the next 18 months uh, and a bit more entailed. Um, getting around all corners of the market um, and trying to speak to every type of market participant, knowing that you know, we wouldn't ever get to speak to everybody um, you know, in these truly global markets uh, with sometimes only occasional users and try and build consensus of, of what the, the, the methodology for moving you know, these contracts and, and in the case of Short Sterling, they've been alive since uh, 1982, Short Sterling was first traded on the life floor, um, how to move these into the new RFR world. So it was a, it was a, a big communication project, um, uh, and lots of conversations internally on on what and when we could deliver. But that was uh, that that was a big feature of that time. Well, so between the, the March date and the kind of formal end at the end of last year, were there were there ever any concerns? Did you ever have second thoughts? Were you were you worried, uh, or were you confident that things were where they were going to be? I would say that it's unfair to say that I didn't worry uh, about the migration weekend, but but I sort of think that that was my job. Um, was I worried that we would get it wrong or that it wouldn't work? Absolutely not. One of the things uh, that, uh, that, that made me quite comfortable in, uh, in joining ICE with this on the horizon was um, my understanding and knowledge of how ICE is able to deliver on large-scale technology projects. If you remember, uh, I started at, at Life 20 years ago. In fact, one of my uh, first jobs was uh, settling the short sterling contracts as, a, as an analyst um, not long after the, the Life floor closed. And when I uh, was in a, a different role at a market participant, when life uh, was acquired by ICE, ICE did an incredible job of moving all of the cleared contracts from uh, the, the life clear at the time, the LCH, into ICE Clear Europe um, in very short order with the minimum of fuss in a, in a project that was delivered uh, you know, in a very calm and efficient manner. Um, so I lived through that as a market participant. And so I, I had some idea. Of, uh, of how good an organization ICE were at delivery. That made it a, a much easier job offer to accept uh, with, uh, with this huge project on the horizon. After the March date, we had a couple of weeks to scramble. Um, and if you go back 
you'll see that we published our finalized guidance on March 23rd, uh, so just 18 days after, uh, uh, after the, the FCA announcement. Um, and that was down to the work that we'd done before to achieve consensus as best we could prior to the announcement. And we spent a couple of weeks getting around the market and saying, we just need to remind you, this is what we have all agreed. Uh, and this is your last chance to, uh, to put your hand up and say, you know, we're going we're gonna to pull a Yui here. We need, we need to do it now. Um, we didn't get that. We put uh, our, our guidance into uh, a, a formal uh, finalized guidance to the market. Um, and then again, it was just about making sure we communicated to everybody uh, what would be happening in kind of all of the edge cases. So uh, it, it, sounds, uh, it sounds easy if you say it quickly uh, without a breath. We will convert your short sterling positions into Sonia positions over this weekend. Some market participants, that's all they needed. Uh, for most, we would need to get right into the detail. And so that's what happened between March 23rd and December 17th. This transition was clearly a unique and unprecedented event, but are there any key lessons learned here about transparency or collaboration that you think could inform other major initiatives, either at ICE or anywhere else? You're right, a project like this in, in, the, in the nuances of, of what we did hasn't uh, been done before. So, you know, LIBOR, uh, transition um, in terms of exchange traded uh, derivatives products. Uh, we, we have been the first uh, to do this. And so there wasn't uh, a playbook for us, uh, for us to copy. Transparency, communication, and consensus are absolutely the right words. And um, it's hard, I don't really like talking in, in, uh, in kind of buzzwords. Uh, like that because um, it doesn't really say anything. But it, it's once you've identified what the problem is, um, and once you've uh, identified all of the deliverable solutions, it's then that those are the things that you have to do, and it's it's just work, right? So communication and, and transparency and all of the uh, the good stuff that we're talking about, we had to do a bunch of work in in trying to identify what was possible uh, and talking to customers about what was desirable uh, and find out the, the right outcome for the greatest consensus of the market that we had to bring across. Now, look, I was here and uh, I'm very proud of the work that the team did here in terms of communication. I'm very proud of the work that uh, the wider ICE machine was able to deliver on. Um, and actually, once we'd done some of the initial exploratory work with clients, and we started to bring people in from various parts of the ICE organization to, to discuss delivery, um, I felt more confident than when we started because we've got some really smart people who were able to deliver the large-scale technology projects we're talking about. You joined ICE right as the preparation for the LIBOR transition was getting into full swing, right? It was very interesting for me to join ICE in 2019 and very interesting to try and steer this project to kill short sterling 
which was one of the first products I ever worked on 20 years ago when I, when I started in the city. I thought that was really interesting. And it was such a, a, a huge project. It, I, found it, I found it compelling to join and try and get my arms around it. And fast forward to today, how, how does it all feel looking back? What do you see looking forward? I guess in one way, it, it, it feels uh, a, a bit like we've delivered on, a, on this huge project and there is no fanfare. And so there is uh, an odd LIBOR-shaped hole in all of our working lives. But that's the job. We move on. And the job now is to ensure that Sonia, as the sole GBP interest rate benchmark, um, has a, a healthy and liquid uh, derivatives market uh, here, on, uh, here on ICE. We're doing a good job of that. We're continuing the conversation. You'll see if you look at the volumes this year uh, that we've got extremely good participation. Uh, we're showing some very healthy volumes, uh, especially in Sonia options. We're moving now into what appears to be a very different rate cycle than we've had uh, for maybe the last 10 years. There is real uh, expectation of rate change in, uh, in GBP uh, and Euro. So uh, Sonia and Euribor futures and options products uh, are seeing increased activity as participants look to, to manage their risks and take a view on, on when and how far uh, those rate hikes will, uh, will come. Um, so the story moves on from LIBOR. Um, it, it's delivered. It went extremely well. Um, we're happy that it did. The fact that you know it seemed to go fairly quietly, and I, I quite like the, the Y2K comparison. Uh, we'll uh, we'll definitely take that because if we'd have been uh, front page based on our migration rather than uh, you know as LIBOR was many years ago, that's probably because we got it wrong. So yeah, we we're very happy with a non-event. Um, that doesn't mean that there isn't a lot of work to do and that the new rate cycle uh, really helps with it. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide investment, tax, business, legal, or professional advice to any individual or entity, unless specifically stated otherwise. Neither FIA nor its members endorse, approve, recommend, or certify any information, opinion, product, process, service, individual or entity presented or mentioned in this podcast. FIA makes no representations, warranties, or guarantees as to the accuracy or completeness of any of the podcast content. Reliance on the podcast contents is done at your own risk. FIA disclaims any and all liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect, incidental, special of consequential damages arising out of any use of, reference to, reliance on, or inability to use this podcast or its contents. Any commercial use, resale, or redistribution of this podcast without the FIA's express written consent is prohibited. Copyright 2022 FIA. All rights reserved. For more information, visit FIA.org.